Can you stand with me in honor of God's word this morning? I have flip-flopped the third and fourth part of this series. And so I am preaching the last part of the series. And I'm preaching the third part next Sunday. Hopefully this makes sense to you. It does to me. Um, uh, We are going to have communion for the very first time in this building next Sunday. And the third part flowed much better with the communion service. And so I really felt the leading of the Lord to just, man, preach the last um, uh, before you preached you know, the third. And so third part next Sunday, last part today. And so hopefully that makes sense. It will in a minute. Philippians 4, 4 says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you've heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Father in heaven, your word says... That when your word goes forth, it never comes back to you empty. It never comes back to you void. But it accomplishes the very purpose for which you sent it. And so, Father, accomplish your word in every heart today. Both those present and those that will listen online later. Father, accomplish your word today. As it's come carrying something for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. And y'all said, Amen. You can be seated. Today I want to look at something that was probably one of the very first things that I noticed when I became a Christian. I grew up in a, in a wonderful home, in a loving home, but it was a very anxiety-ridden home. It was, it was full of anxiety, it was full of worry, and um, for that reason, you know, alcohol flowed freely in our house growing up. And uh, my dad would always joke around that it was in the house just for medicinal purposes. Well, if that was true, then there were a lot of sick people in my house. So, um, so uh, what, you, what you can't come to grips with, our human nature says, you'll find a way to deal with it. And it seems like our tendencies as human beings is to find a substance to turn to um, if we don't have a God to turn to. And here in Philippians 4, you have some of the best scriptures on peace, on not worrying, on not being anxious that you'll find anywhere. And please keep in mind that Paul definitely knew what he was talking about because he wrote these things from a prison cell. And so when Paul is telling the church in Philippi to rejoice, and again I say rejoice, he's writing that from the worst possible prison cell in that day. It was the Mamertine prison. Most theologians agree it was the Mamertine prison. It was a prison that to be sentenced there was an almost certain death sentence. The raw sewage of the city of Rome flowed through the Mamertine prison. Go ahead and look it up if you want to online and see what a miserable and what a horrible place it was. 
Paul would have been in pitch darkness for 30 days at a time. After 30 days, he could receive mail. He could send mail. He would be chained, and there would be, there would be rats. There would be prisoners to the left and the right of him dying from limb rot. He wasn't a tall man, and so uh, tradition tells us he was a short man. And so when the raw sewage came through, he might have been easily up to his waist, in raw sewage. It was as nasty and as awful a place as you could possibly be, and most did not survive. Most did not. And from here, Paul's saying, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Paul's talking about peace. Talking about peace. And so understand the backdrop as we look at these things today, because he understood it. He understood it. And I can remember when I became a Christian, one of the first things that I experienced was the peace of God. And I'm not talking about just being able to arrive at some place in your mind so that you can sleep at night. I'm talking about peace that could only come from God. And I remember the Lord telling me when I was the only one living at home, all of my brothers and my sister had all married and they'd all moved out. Um, and I was still living at home with my dad and I wanted to move out. And uh, I remember the Lord speaking to me and saying, you'll move out when you can find peace and joy in this place. Because if, if, if you can find it here, you can find it anywhere. My dad's alcoholism was, was going through the roof. Um, he didn't care about his job anymore. He, didn't, he was 24-hour cycling, binging, drinking, sleeping, drinking, sleeping. And, uh, um, you know, it was just, it was, a, it was extremely difficult uh, to live at home, and I was struggling with, the, with even leaving home because I felt like I was abandoning him, and my brothers and my sisters said, no, 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 you get on with your life. Dad's going to make his decisions, and that was hard, but I remember God speaking to me and saying, and telling me, you find peace here because if you can find it here, you can find it anywhere, and what Paul is doing is he is doing, he is doing that. He's saying, look, if I can find peace where I'm, where I'm at right now, what I'm looking at, what I'm smelling, what I'm, can you imagine all five of his senses must have been going through the roofs. What I'm dealing with right now, if I can find peace, if I can encourage you, then so, then so can you. Notice that um, we, uh, we, are, we are focused here on, on thankfulness. And when we, when we do this, we experience God's peace. So what's so different about God's peace? Well, I mean, what's so different? You know, I mean, is peace of mind and, and the peace of God the same? Is it? What's so different about it? Well, that's our study today. Please understand something. God's peace isn't some place that you arrive at mentally. God's peace is experienced. It's experienced. It's experienced. By that I mean that God's peace comes when we don't expect it. Therefore, we experience God's peace because it came, because when it came, it was so markedly different from what our circumstances dictated. We know it comes from God because it's different than what we have known. It's a peace that's different from any peace that we've ever known. You might even have little routines and little rituals that you go through to maintain your peace, but the peace of God is not like that. You might have your little nighttime rituals that you have to go through so that you can go to sleep at night. The peace of God is different than that. It's different than that, and we're going to see that today as we're looking 
at Scripture. It is an otherworldly peace that we can experience. Notice that it says God's peace exceeds anything that we can understand. That's why we experience it, because it's beyond our understanding. So when Scripture says that God is giving you something that you can't understand, it's saying that it is something that you'll experience that goes against what you think, that goes against your ability to grasp. You experience it. How many of you experienced the presence of God before you could understand anything about the presence of God? The peace of God is like that. You experience it because it exceeds your understanding. The only way that you can, that you can even begin to grasp the peace of God is to experience it because you don't understand it. Circumstances say you shouldn't have it. This person thinks that you're calloused or, or hard-hearted when that's not true at all. It's the peace of God that's upon your life. I remember the first time I experienced like the peace of God in adverse circumstances was when we got the call from the hospital um, that we were to come. And my dad had been in the hospital for two months and we got the phone call while I knew as a pastor and, and you know, just having you know, lived a little bit of life that typically when the hospital calls, it's not good. When the hospital is calling for the family to come. So I knew driving there that dad was either already gone or he was very, very close to going. And sure enough, when I had got there, he was gone. And my dad had um, not been good to his body. He was a, a chain smoker for years, and he was a, uh, a heavy drinker and alcoholic. And uh, he was, um, he, when, I, when I was standing over him, he was frozen, lunging off of the bed, gasping for his last breath. And so I'm standing, looking at my dad, and I'm waiting for the emotions to hit me. I'm just waiting because I, I know they're going to come. Well, in that moment, I just had just this crazy peace. And I knew enough to not fight it, but to just, and I wanted to mourn and I wanted to weep, but it, it wasn't there. And God spoke to me in that moment. He said, John, I'm your father. And it was two years after my dad's death that I finally like mourned my father's death. And when I was mourning my dad's death, I didn't know. I mean, we had 14 years as my dad's health deteriorated. You know, I thought I, I thought I had all that time to prepare. And then two years after my dad's death, I find myself mourning. I called my, my brother who had done some counseling. He's a Vietnam vet. And I said, what is going on? I'm watching this movie. And I'm, now I find myself bawling. I think it's about dad. And he goes, did you ever mourn dad's death? And I go, "Why? Well, I had 14 years to deal, you know, with it. John. Did you ever mourn dad's death? And I go, no. He goes, you are now. And he said, and I would fully give myself to it. I said, all right. And so that whole night, I just bawled. I mean, just cried. And knew that I was not to fight it and that I was to let it go. But in the moment when I went to the hospital, I'm standing over my dad. I just had a peace. I had this, 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 this peace that I couldn't understand, but it was on me. And so I just, okay, I, I don't get it. And I'm not going to try to understand it, but I'm experiencing it right now. God's peace, Scripture says, guards hearts and minds. It guards hearts and minds. If you look up that word guard, you do any kind of good study in that word guard, it means guard like a garrison of troops, like a wall of troops. That's how powerful the peace of God is. It's how powerful the peace of God is. It guards hearts and minds like a garrison of troops would guard. 
God's peace supernaturally guards. That word guard also means to keep under watch. And it's a peace so strong that it protects hearts and minds, just like militarily so. It, it, it guards hearts and minds. Notice the Apostle Paul is giving one final word of instruction. And notice the phrases that he uses. And I really like the, the New Living Translation because um, they'll use a few more words to arrive at a better understanding of what's being said there. And I know it's come under some criticism, but even Greek scholars like Rick Renner, even Jack Hayford endorsed the New Living uh, translation. And uh, I have found it to really capture things. And the reason why I started preaching from the New Living a few years ago is when I would study, I, keep, I kept founding, finding myself going back to the New Living and thought, man, that words it really well. Man, that words it. Doggone it. I am just going to begin to preach from the New Living because I thought it was such a great rendering. But notice the phrases here the Apostle Paul uses. He uses phrases like, fix your thoughts, think about things, keep putting into practice. Fix your thoughts, think about things, keep putting into practice. You know, Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. He will keep him in perfect. You know what? It's not your responsibility to keep yourself in peace. God will keep you in perfect peace when your mind is stayed on him. But you have a part to play. You can fix your thoughts. You can choose to think about things. You can keep putting things in to practice. The emphasis used is that of meditating on like you would uh, scripture as you're, you're memorizing it. So it's just one thing to read verses over and over again. It's another thing to meditate on them and memorize them. It's kind of like the difference between going over your notes and studying your notes so that you'll do well on that test. That word, um, ancient tradition um, for, for meditating, like you'd find in Psalm 1, um, meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. That word meditate, there's, a, there's an old term um, in ancient Jewish tradition, and it's called daviding, daviding. And what that word daviding means, it means to meditate um, and to say things over and over again as you're doing so. Uh, probably the best illustration that you would find of this term meditate or this term daviding would be people standing at the wailing wall, and I've been at the wailing wall, and there are these Jewish men um, with their black hats and their, their ringlets on, uh, their, on the side of their hair because they weren't supposed to cut the sides of their hair, Old Testament. And so they're standing there and they're rocking back and forth. And it looks like they're mumbling, but they're saying scripture over and over and over. And they're Daviding. They're meditating on those verses and they're saying them out loud over and over and over again. That's what that word meditate means. It, say it over and over and over again so it goes from your head to your heart and then all of a sudden you're in a circumstance and you don't know what to do and in that moment God brings back a verse to you be angry do not sin don't let the sun go down on your wrath nor give place to the devil Ephesians 4 26 and 12, 27 verses start coming back to you Jeremiah 29 11 like I spoke over Holly um, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, or I know the plans that I have for you, depending on your version, uh, to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. Why? Why do those scriptures come? Because 
I got them in here. I wasn't just reading them over and over and over again. I meditated on them until I got them in my heart. You would be amazed at how many times the Holy Spirit will bring verses back to your remembrance when you need them the most. When you need them the most. Let me share one last um, truth that I really want you to get before we part today. Go to Isaiah 55, and I have found this to be so true, and I'm hoping that it helps you today. Has this been good? All right, all right, all right. Isaiah 55, 12. I'm going to read it to you in the New Living, and then I'm going to read it to you, um, or a portion of it in the, in, the, in the New King James or the ESV. 55, 12 says, it says, you will live in joy and peace. Notice it's declaring it. The mountains and the hills will burst into song. The trees of the field will clap their hands. The ESV in the New King James word, Isaiah 55, 12, for you shall go out with joy and be led forth by peace. You shall go out with joy and be led forth by peace. Scripturally speaking, when people are waiting for peace to make a decision, I don't think that that's biblically sound. In fact, I've seen people waiting for a long time. What would be more accurate would be for you to go out with joy, and then once you've gone out and once you're already moving and heading in a direction, God leads you by peace. Think about it this way. What is easier to steer, a boat that's still uh, tethered to the dock or a boat that's out on the water? If you're never going to leave the shore and if you're never going to leave the dock, then what do, you, what do you need to be directed for? You're not going anywhere. But if you step out and say, God, I'm going to believe that you're going to speak to me as I step out, then all of a sudden you will find God's leading and you'll find peace in God's leading. You've gone out with joy and now you're being led forth by peace. I think it is wrong and, and Christians have done it for years. They're waiting for the peace of the Lord. Man, no, go out and God will guide you by peace. He'll lead you by peace. Peace isn't the confirmation. Peace is the icing on the cake after you've already gone out. You go out with joy and you're led by peace. You don't wait for peace. I don't wait for, I mean, if you, if you wait for peace, you might never find it. As you're looking at all the circumstances and all the opposition and everything that your spiritual antenna might be picking up. But if you go out with joy, God can lead you. Okay, now that you've shown that you have the courage and the faith to step out, now I can direct you. You've shown me that you are willing. And the Bible says the willing and the obedient will eat from the good of the land. If you are waiting for the direction of the Lord, I said, so Pastor John, I've never gotten involved at the church. I just haven't had a peace. Why don't you get involved and allow God to lead you once you're already involved? Pastor John, I don't know what I need to do concerning this, this holiday that's coming up, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and I've got family members. Why don't you make a decision, head into a direction, and then allow God to give you a peace once you've already stepped out? Doesn't it seem to make more sense that God would lead that way? It's a powerful truth that God only leads by peace after we've gone out with joy. We don't wait for peace on something. We go out with joy and are led by peace. So could it be that you don't have peace about something because you've not done, yet done anything about it? God, give me peace. And he's saying, you trust me and you step out and I'll give you peace. You trust me and you step out. We always want God to meet us at our easy chair. We, all, we always want God to meet us at the bed. We always want God to meet us at the couch. And God's saying, no, you walk out of the house. I'll meet you. I'll equip you if you show me you're going to get out there and you're going to begin to take some steps of faith. 
Isn't it amazing? The Bible says that we don't grow from fear to fear. It says we grow from faith to faith. And it takes faith to step out and to do some things that might go completely against our understanding, but that's where God's peace is found. When your understanding ceases, God's peace kicks in. And because you've been faithful and you've stepped out, all of a sudden his peace meets you there. Where does it meet you? At the end of your understanding. That's where it meets you. It's almost like God saying, are you done thinking? Good, because now we can do something. You done trying to figure it all out? Good, now I can finally lead you. Could it be possible that sometimes we're too smart for God? If you wait for peace, many times you're going to be led by your own understanding. If you go out with joy, God can lead you by a peace that surpasses your understanding. I think that that's the difference. Because you can begin to think that you have the peace of God on something when you really don't. The dust might just be settling from the last, last skirmish, and you're calling that peace. No, when God's peace is there, you'll know it. There's no mistaking it. I think I have the peace of the Lord to go ahead. Well, man, just go ahead. Remember Pastor Dwayne, he said, I don't think it matters what you do the first five years. Just do something, and God will have no problem leading you. God will have no problem defining you. God will have no problem, you know, putting a, uh, you know, this is who you are on you, and, I, and you know, some kind of, of, of identity. This is what your gifts are. God will clearly define those as you step out. Isn't it amazing? I'm running out of time. But isn't it amazing that when Moses had his experience with the Lord at the burning bush, and man, was he struggling. You know, who shall I say sent me? You know, if I was God, I'd say, the dude talking to you out of the bush, that's who's sending you. What is your problem right now? So struggled. And, and God said, what is that in your hand? A rod? Throw it down. Isn't it amazing that God uses what you already have before he ever adds to it? And God was telling Moses, man, just step out. Just step out. Okay, Aaron will speak for you. Whatever it takes, step out. Step out. Step out. And God meets you in those steps. Because you know what those steps say? Those steps say, man, I trust Jesus. Don't tell me that you're trusting the Lord if you haven't taken any steps. Don't tell me that you're trusting the Lord if you haven't combined any of those actions with your prayers. Where are your steps of faith? Where are they? Maybe right now you're dreading the holidays because of certain family members that are going to be over. Man, where are your steps of faith? Man, where are they? I want to encourage you that as you step out, that God will lead because you're very stepping out. God knows what goes against the grain for you. God knows when you're at the end of your understanding, the end of your, the end of your rope, and he meets you there, so meets you there. And so I just want to pray over you as we're closing today. And I want to...